0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Starside Chat. I am one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me as always is Zach. How's it going, Zach? Good. A lot of big news this week. The last of couple news. of weeks, we didn't
1: have as much news, so a lot of interesting things to talk about.
0: We should hit it off right off the top. The, probably the biggest thing we'll talk about, well, Baller's Gate 3 came out and everyone has lots of opinions on it, but... Yeah. Um, Nintendo is targeting the second half of 2024 for its next generation console release. Uh, apparently, dev kits are already in the hands of third-party developers. And we could see... I don't know. I was looking back at when they released, when they announced the Switch. They announced it in... Like, there was a Direct where we got our first uh, video of it in, I think, October... And then it came out the following March. So a pretty quick turnaround. So Mm -hmm. we probably won't see footage of this thing for a little bit of time, but exciting. Yeah, I
1: mean, the way they have a position for second half of 2024, they could almost wait until around E3 time and have a big Nintendo Direct about it. But yeah, now, the, they claim that it's because they're trying to avoid like shortages uh, like the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S had when they mm-hmm. launched. But uh, I, I was listening to, uh, I think it was Kit and Krista because they used to work at Nintendo and mm-hmm. they were talking about this. They said, now normally Nintendo would launch something in like the first half of the year, like they did with the first gen Switch. I don't remember...
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: what they did with the Wii and Wii U when those launched. I also don't remember. Um, but the the reason they would do that is because you get like the real enthusiasts to come out and they'll buy it day one and it'll go out of stock. and then But then you have like six to eight months after that to restock so that the parents have a chance to get one for their kids for Christmas. Mm. Uh, which makes sense as a strategy. But I mean, I guess if you're delaying it so that you can have the amount of stock necessary I guess that works or maybe that's just an excuse that they <laughs> they said because the, it was not going to be ready before that but
0: so the only thing I've heard about this because I mean third party developers have it but it's pretty much there's I don't believe there's been any like pictures of it the dev kit at least online but I did hear someone say that it has an LED screen or LCD as opposed to an OLED yeah yeah um, speculation so, is probably that they're they just want to sell a second one with an OLED later on yeah. <laughs> but the real thing i've learned from this is that it has a screen on it so it will still be some sort of handheld i assume
1: yeah so the video games chronicle article that like got everybody talking this week uh, about the switch 2 Although they're not calling it Switch Two, uh, Nintendo, we're just all saying that's probably what it's
0: called. I, I still maintain that it will be called something like the Flip Switch or something, and it's going to fold in some way. I,
1: I can see it being called something like the Super Nintendo Switch because that would be cool.
0: Oh, but, that is a good name for it. But no, uh, the
1: so yeah, they confirmed or suggested, I guess, is the correct word to use <laughs> that the console is going to launch with an LCD screen. Yeah. instead of the OLED, and that would help bring cost down. But you're right, everybody is speculating, well, okay, they're just following the model that they did with the first gen one where they released an LCD screen, and then later they were able to do sort of a faux Premium. pro model yeah. that did not increase the internals in any way but just had like a bigger, uh, nicer screen to it. And I think people want, like, better battery life. They want, like, an SSD, so loading times are better. Which you can, Wouldn't that be crazy? They're super small now, SSDs. Yeah. So I feel like they could put one in there. Um, and they want, uh, you know, better frame rates for games. They, they don't yeah. want to see the next Pokemon come out and have it be as sort of horrendous as the last one was in terms of, like, you look... 10 feet away from the the player character and everything's moving at like four frames a second
0: (laughs) well this brings up a good point um what do you think the odds are that this is going to be backwards compatible with the switch like it will continue to use the same cartridges
1: well so the video games chronicle article did say that it would have a port for game carts Mm -hmm. So uh, everyone's speculating that either it will basically use the same sized cart as the first gen Switch or it will do like uh, what they did with one of the 3DS models where it had like, or maybe it was like one of the old DS models that had like the port for the DS games, but it also had a port for like Game Boy Advance games. Mm. So it just like had an additional port on it so that you could plug more games into it. So, I mean, either way, I, I feel like they should know that backwards compatibility is like a huge thing. Like I know they couldn't do it with going from Wii U to Switch because it's a different type of uh, game game system where it doesn't have a disc, it has a cartridge. Yeah. And so obviously there's no disc port. But um if they're gonna keep the same like portable and home console thing, I mean I don't know why they would go away from that.
0: Wouldn't it be crazy if they came up with a like if they if you if they say if they're doing what you say they would and have like multiple ports, which I think is a really cool idea, just aesthetically I think it looks cool. What if the new cart they came up with for this one is like the size of a playing card or something. Don't get me wrong; I like how the Switch uh, uh, cartridges look, but they're so small, and I always feel like yeah. I'm going to break them when I'm handling them. If it's like a, a hefty thing, like the size of a playing card, that I slot in, like 80s style futurism, I think. I be mean, very I cool. feel like
1: you basically want the original Game Boy size cartridges.
0: Yeah, that would be that would be great actually. <laughs> That's a perfect size, and it would um, give them more space on the cartridge because yeah, yeah. that would be famously crazy. like they would have a lot how, more space to work with <laughs> how much can you fit on a cart i think it's only like it's like less than 15 gigs isn't it isn't it something crazy small
1: i think it's like 32 gigs of and well the switch has internal memory of 32 gigs i should say so like if you're going to download a game like they have that much space to work with so yeah. your their games are much much smaller than that which is crazy considering what they've done with
0: them but yeah i don't it's know it's got to have I mean, iteratively, every one of Nintendo's consoles has been pretty different from the previous one. I guess the least so would be like the Super Nintendo to like Nintendo to Super Nintendo was like pretty much the same except the controllers were a little different. But I mean it seems like they switched stuff up every time. So I'm I'm so curious if they've just like, we're in an age now where it's modernity and they just realize like, okay, we, we have our formula, we don't need to mess up the form factor too much. Or if they do go crazy and they're like, okay, this one folds and Joy-Cons look insane now. I mean, what do you, what do you see this thing looking like?
1: Honestly, I don't know that they will deviate too much from the first gen Switch. Like, I think they will try to do the Joy-Cons differently. So at, at the very least, there's not stick drift. And maybe they just look mm. a little bit different. Maybe they're a little bit more ergonomic. But uh, I don't know. Like I said, I think backwards compatibility is a thing that they're going to be thinking about. And so you don't really have a lot of games that do motion control, but you do have some. And I'm sure they would like to still be able to, to like remake and port old like Wii and Wii U games that probably did have motion control. So well, they
0: probably will do some of that. I remember before the Switch came out, speculation, there was already rumors going around that like, oh, it's going to have like detachable controllers. Isn't that crazy? And one illustration I saw, which was not like an official one, it was just uh, someone speculating, was that some games would be paired with a specific Joy-Con where like the the illustration that I saw was pretty accurate up until, like it it showed like what a Switch would be except for the right Joy-Con would come off and it would be replaced with like a GameCube-looking controller, like, half of a controller, or, like, a a fishing pole with a crank on it. Uh, <laughs> and so they were speculating that, like, you know, the controller could be completely modular. Like, a game would be bundled with, like a, like, a super big controller with extra buttons on it or something that you would slot into the left or right or, you know, into the little plastic controller. But that's something they could do is, like, maybe have, like, a a wide range of Joy-Cons you can choose from that have different functionality. Yeah,
1: that's definitely the road not taken with the first-gen Switch. Uh, Now that you say that, yeah, I don't know why there's, like, some, you know, third-party company didn't come up with a fishing game that they also bundled, like, their own little attachable, like, fishing (laughs) Joy-Con.
0: I think that's a really good idea. Yeah.
1: I can see, like, them doing some, like, fun, weird things like that. Like, Nintendo shipped that whole cardboard thing. Yeah, (laughs) I (laughs) I remember that. That's crazy. If Labo could exist, I don't know why they couldn't make all kinds of different weird-shaped Joy-Cons and have them be, like... uh, The game wouldn't be, you know, not playable unless you had that one, but it would be like, Mm. oh, this is the ideal way to play this.
0: Do you think that the launch title is gonna be mario
1: well i was gonna say it's it's hard to know now because they did do they're gonna have a 2d mario this fall
0: yeah i mean that could
1: have just been made by a different team while somebody else is working on super mario odyssey 2 um we, we thought for a long time that it was going to be Tears of the Kingdom, but obviously that was probably intended to be for the Switch Pro, and then it turned into the OLED because of chip shortages. And yeah. then the you know Tears of the Kingdom got delayed, so they had to split everything up. But um, I can see the next Mario Kart game being a launch title. Yeah. I could see that rumored Donkey Kong game, keeping yeah. my fingers crossed. Or, you know, Metroid Prime 4.
0: Yeah, that's another good one. That's a one where they could package in a, a Joy-Con that is like uh, her hand cannon or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they it could do crazy. something really weird and interesting with it. I, and that's another game that
1: I feel like is big enough to warrant its own themed Switch release. You know how they do that? Where yeah. Like they had the Tears of the Kingdom one and they had these other ones. I guess they didn't do that for... Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey, even though those would have been perfect choices for something like that. But I was going to say, how weird would it be if they launched Switch 2? Here's the standard model. Here's a boxed bundle that includes Metroid Prime 4 with its own themed Switch. That would be cool. I could see them doing that. That would be cool. I, I kind of don't think they will. If if it's launch, anyway, I could see if it's like delayed until like a year later or something like that, I could see them doing that, but...
0: You and I famously stood outside a very cold Best Buy (laughs) when the Switch came out. Uh, We went to go see Logan, a very late showing of Logan, and then we hung out in front of a a Best Buy for like an hour. Do you think you would do a midnight launch for whatever this is in like 2024?
1: It's a good question.
0: I think I'm more apt to do it
1: now than I would have been. Like, I didn't pre-order the switch and I wasn't planning on going to the midnight launch you talked me into it (laughs) and then we just happened to work with somebody who also worked part-time at Best Buy and had some insider knowledge that they were going to have additional switches for people who hadn't pre-ordered and so I was like well I might as well go try to get one and it (laughs) worked out so I would have to plan ahead much better than I did last time but I could maybe see doing that. Um, just because I am so excited about the next generation of the Switch. Like, I want one that's has more powerful internals so it can run things better and have, like, potentially higher frame rates than, like, yeah. I don't know. Frame rate is sort of a weird topic of discussion when it comes to consoles because we thought that the PS5 and Xbox Series X generation was going to be defined by like that improvement of like sort of the base of frame rates where the previous generations most games the sort of base was 30 frames a second and every now and then you'd get like a call of duty that had upped it to 60 and and Mm -hmm. or you know you would see like the wild difference it makes going from like Destiny on console running at 30 frames a second to seeing it run on PC at like 120 frames a second. You're like, wow, this is like miles better looking in every (laughs) possible way. Um, And that really kind of hasn't materialized where I think PlayStation has done a pretty good job of having like a performance mode and a high resolution mode. Um, And I pretty much always play things in performance mode when given the option. Xbox hasn't really done that. They've sort of like Redfall and I think even maybe Atomic Heart. I'm not sure about that one. But for sure, Starfield, those are going to launch on console at 30 frames a second. And there's no like optional performance mode. Uh, Supposedly, they're going to add one to Redfall at some point. I don't know if they already have or not, but... um, I don't know if it's just like graphics are getting so good, and like resolution is like such a priority still for people that like the frame the the dream of consoles having sort of a base of sixty frames a second, and the option to go even higher is really just not happening this generation the way we thought it was going to or what mm. but um, I feel like it would be. We're going to be a little bit disappointed when the Switch Two launches and it's still running things at 30 frames a second. But I feel like well, this brings up
0: an interesting point. Okay, because third parties have the hardware and they're like developing games for it. That's great, but that means that the hardware is locked in. I think so. Do you think that a Steam Deck is more powerful than what the Switch Two will be?
1: That's a good question because the steam deck also does not run things at like 1080 and i guess it can i think it's like just under that yeah and like but it can run a lot for the portable screen i would say like 1080 is fine like i feel like we learned this years ago with smartphones where everybody was trying to make these 4k screens for their smartphones and people were like The screen is small enough that I really can't pixel peep close enough to tell the difference between 1080p and 1440p and, like, 4K. So on a screen that size, it doesn't matter. Um, And the only thing that you're doing by bumping it up to 4K is draining your battery life faster. So if you want better battery life um, on a portable screen, like, somewhere between 720 and 1080p is fine. Yeah, it, you're not going to be able to
0: discern the difference.
1: Exactly. Well, and you're also not going to be holding up two devices side by side to be like, oh, that one looks better. Yeah. You know? So, like, nobody's going to care. But it's the dock that is going to have to make the difference. That's going to have to have yeah. some sort of upscaling ability, which was the rumor yeah. for the Switch Pro. So I feel like that's possi- a possibility that it will have some sort of upscaling. Uh, now, I'll also say, when I play a game on my 4K TV on the Switch. I don't know if it's just that their art style is good enough that you don't think about it, but I, I don't generally think, man, I wish this was 4K.
0: Yeah, I mean, Mario looks so slick and runs so smoothly. Like, Mario Odyssey even looks great on a 4K TV, but... This is why I continue to maintain
1: that frame rate is far more important to your game than resolution. That's Yeah, I think you're right. I think, like... If the PS5 and the Xbox Series X ran things capped at 1080p, but gave you 120 frames a second, Mm -hmm. I would take that every time. (laughs) And it would—I think the because Destiny is my big example. uh, It was so mind blowing going from playing (laughs) that game at like over 100 frames a second from 30. It wasn't just the the graphics or you know the frame rate that looked better it like everything looked better in that game when you made just by making that one switch um so yeah i really think frame rate is the way to go i i don't know that that's going to be possible on a portable like this not like you said the steam deck is a little bit more capable in terms of like your frame rates but you do have to kind of sacrifice Resolution And usually you're not even always getting to 60 frames. Sometimes it's like 40, 40, 50, something like that. Which, I mean, is better, but... um, But yeah, that's the other question is, will it still have detachable Joy-Cons? Will it be uh, a little bit beefier and be like a Steam Deck? Or is that what you want?
0: I don't know. That's a good question. I feel like it has to have the detachable Joy-Cons at this point. But do you think they're going to redo their online stuff like because a bunch of people this generation bought stuff digitally on their switch do you think that will transfer over to whatever the next one is i hope so i do think like they need
1: to (coughs) completely revamp the e-shop and like the dashboard of the switch for switch 2 my my other thing that i really want from the next generation of nintendo consoles is a commitment to like online modes mm. online gaming because like right now it's awful if you want to play mario kart with your friend you have to like go onto an app on your phone yeah and like to get voice chat like this is like basic stuff that we've had on other consoles since like the 360
0: and ps3 generation the xbox can't you just like have discord on xbox now
1: yeah i i think you maybe can you have them on both or is it just xbox
0: i don't know i just saw an article though about how they're gonna enable coming up the ability to stream your game to friends yeah i saw that too yeah that's which cool. is great
1: yeah they definitely need to make a more robust online offering and i, I think that goes for their games as well it's not just about like coming up to feature parity with, like, online stuff with the PlayStation and the Xbox, I think it's also, like, thinking about the next generation of, like, Mario Kart as an example. Like, right now, they keep releasing more map packs and, like, additional characters every now and then. And I'm like, well, that's great and all, but I only play Mario Kart when I have, like, when I'm hanging out with family because yeah. it's, like, a party game to me. But if there was, like, some sort of progression system or some sort of, like, carrot on the stick as, like, an online mode, I might play it even at home by myself. But, like, right now, I, like, I'm not really incentivized to do so because I don't really care that much about racing. Hmm. But, yeah, and I think that that could have been the same with, like, Luigi's Mansion that had that online mode that I actually did play and enjoy. I was like, what if there was, like, I'm not saying it has to go like full Call of Duty or like, (laughs) what was that Disney Kart Racer game that came out? Oh, I
0: don't even remember. Yeah,
1: that game, I don't know if that, that seems like a bad approach to it. But if there's something there to get you to like level up and progress and like unlock stuff, even if it's just like entirely cosmetic, which is what it should be. But like, I, I feel like they need that. To keep people invested in their games but i don't know
0: maybe that's just me <laughs> <laughs> do you think it's gonna have a camera
1: that's a good well the 3ds had one so maybe
0: i i went they to that some, like, arcade AR a couple stuff, of weeks right? ago um and they had i think it was like cruising blast or something and that arcade cabinet that like racing arcade cabinet had a thing where if you and someone is playing next to you or are playing together in the same game before the race starts it's like look up we'll take a picture of your oh, face yeah, and i remember that <laughs> it like snaps a picture and then like in the game above your car you can see like your face which was a cool thing yeah i don't know if i need that on a switch but it's interesting
1: if they did like i think the 360 had a The ability to use like the Kinect camera to like take a picture of you and then sort of model that into like their avatar system. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong about that? I feel like that was a thing that they had or maybe it was even in some games you could like use it to make an in-game character using your face. I don't know. I don't remember. I feel like that was a thing that existed at one point. And maybe, maybe you could come back in some way.
0: Very exciting stuff. I can't wait for the second half of 2024.
1: I want to know the launch lineup.
0: Yeah. That's going to be, I mean, they know how powerful having a good launch lineup is. Like, they launched with maybe one of the best games ever made with the Switch, with uh, Zelda or N1 2 Switch, of course. No. <laughs> um, Snipper clips.
1: Everybody So was out you've there got to imagine that. Super is great. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I'm sure the some of the stuff that we've been waiting for for a number of years has probably been pulled for Switch Two at this point. But yeah. should Being we move on to more Nintendo, other Nintendo related news? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there was, uh, I believe, Sakurai who has a YouTube channel like talked about it a little bit maybe on his YouTube channel, but he also, there was like an interview with him, I think, where they were talking about the future of Smash. And I think the big takeaway was that he was saying that he doesn't see the thing, the the series moving forward without him, which I think is good because people want him involved. But people are also very concerned about his work, uh, work life balance yeah because he was pushing pretty hard yeah uh and they did ask him about the future uh like would they make another one and he basically said uh if they were gonna do another one they might have to shrink the roster Hmm. Uh, but they're not sure if that was something that fans would be pleased with and well part of that has
0: to be licensing because i mean like i feel like they had to move heaven and earth to get all the final fantasy people back and to get like snake from solid snake
1: yeah yeah i wonder about that if that's like a big expense for them
0: i mean they i feel like they went all out with ultimate they made a big deal of saying everyone is here that has ever been here so yeah yeah, i think to fully reboot it i think they would have to they couldn't go like ultimate plus or whatever Plus Ultra. Um, So I guess, I mean, I I see where he's coming from, where they just need a hard reset of like, we did the ultimate version of what Smash is. We can't go beyond that. We perfected it. So now when we iterate on it, it has to be a new thing.
1: Would that involve like changing the controls like the simplified sort of combat controls of that game i don't know
0: it's a good question because that is like something that pulls people in and makes it so approachable is that it's just like you have you know forward b back b down b up b um he did also
1: talk about how he had put so much work into it himself that smash had basically It had too much of his own personality in it. And Mm. he thinks if it was going to move forward, they would need to sort of eliminate the dependence on just, like, his vision for what Smash Mm. is. And that um, they need to maybe have multiple people sort of putting their vision into it. The problem...
0: with it is that it's just it's such a pure formula at least it seems that way on the outside like you've got the characters they have very basic move sets you have large uh arenas i feel like if they add anything to it it's just gonna feel like man i wish i could play this but like in the pure version of it that's just like two characters going against each other you know like if they add like how that new mortal Kombat game has like extra characters that you can call in to do extra combos I don't know i don't think that works for uh a smash because it's just like such a pure clean format
1: yeah i mean and the fighting game genre has a little bit moved smash's direction in terms of like that simplified approach to controls because even like street fighter 6 had like a simplified control scheme that was not necessarily exactly like smash, but a little bit closer to it
0: Mm.
1: or at least this is what I've heard. I've not played it, but um, yeah, I I think it's interesting to think about what it could possibly be because of the fact that ultimate exists and it's going to be hard to top that one. And we talked about a little bit before we started recording It almost feels like it's expanded in such a big way that it's a little bit like what Assassin's Creed is doing where they're sort of going back to the basics and sort of making a smaller game. Mm. And maybe that is where we're at with Smash where it just needs to reset a little bit. And um, I'm trying to even think of what different characters they could bring in that hadn't been in Ultimate. Because it it would feel a little bit disappointing to get like a really pared down roster and then have them just like slowly re-add characters that already were in it, which I'm sure will happen if that happens.
0: I think, I mean, I could see them like a thing that I really think they should do is revamp characters that are like been in there forever because Mario is so iconic, but I don't feel like his stuff reflects that. Like, I think doesn't he have just like a cape is one of his moves. Yeah, and he has, like, the fireball and everything. Like, yeah, he, he I could, think. What if he was, you like, have, Cat Mario? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Cat Or, like, Luigi just has a bunch of random moves, but he doesn't use his, like, vacuum at all. And his main deal now is Luigi's Mansion. So, like... That's true. You know, give him all these cool... Give him Gooigi, you know? Um, yeah, and so- I
1: also wonder, because, like, a lot of the... Like, a lot of companies have been bought up by other companies, and so maybe, like, the changing hands of... Some of the properties is maybe complicates making another Smash, but
0: I don't know. What if they did packs? I'm, I'm this is this idea is just forming in my head right now, and maybe it's not really realistic. But if they did like mini games where like it's like Smash Mario Universe, Smash Pokemon Universe. Mm. Uh, where, like, it's, like, Pokemon v. Pokemon. Or it's something where you buy it and add it on. So, like, it comes out. Smash is just Mario universe. So you get, like, Donkey Kong and stuff. But then the next, like, wave or however they want to describe it is, like, now here's the Pokemon wave. And you get, like, you know, 20 Pokemon or something. I don't know. I, I I really don't know how they would structure it to make it feel fresh and new where it doesn't just look... They did such a good job with Ultimate. I just... I don't know. It's They've put themselves in an impossible place.
1: Yeah. And you know that it sells so well. And it's like such a big sort of competitive scene that it would be crazy to abandon it because they yeah. made the ultimate version. Um, maybe they do sort of a Mario Kart 8 Deluxe thing where they it to switch to and it has some upgrades or whatever but
0: well they could do that and they could say and all, all of the dlc characters are included so i've never bought any of the dlc characters for whatever reason yeah but i didn't either i mean it would be interesting to have you know uh the Mine- uh, minecraft guy steve check out what he's all about
1: yeah i would check out joker from persona
0: I was very curious about that when they launched that, but I was like, I just
1: don't play Smash enough to warrant buying this, so I never did. I agree. Um, Speaking of Nintendo stuff, there was a Pokemon Direct, or there's going to be uh, this coming week. Yes, on
0: Tuesday, they're going to have a 35-minute Pokemon Presents. So it's going to be a lot of content. Who knows what's going to be there, but it's going to be 35 minutes of content. So it's going to be substantial
1: yeah i was gonna i was trying to think of what could be covered like uh they have ongoing things i'm, I'm sure they you know they launched that like sleep app mm. and of course pokemon go is never ending and are they still doing like updates in dlc for the last pokemon game that came out
0: i don't think so uh but i'm not sure i mean i Part of me is like, I wonder if this is where they're going to announce the next Pokemon game.
1: Yeah, I mean, that could be too. Yeah, I feel like those would be Nintendo Directs, whereas this is like specifically a Pokemon Direct, but I I guess Mm -hmm. I don't know.
0: So that is something to look forward to. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, I saw this poll you posted about.
1: Yeah, so apparently there was a poll on push square which is a playstation centric website asking for fans to vote on their favorite main character from the final fantasy games and uh well it's no surprise that cloud strife won the poll because of course he did uh clive rossfield from final fantasy 16 came in second and that's I, I do agree that Clive is a really good protagonist really that I like quite a bit um, he does a little bit have sort of that Clouds Drive sort of uh, stoic thing but he also I feel like has a little bit more personality in there mm. as well so he's sort of a good balance and yeah he's a he's a pretty likable main character and uh, maybe we'll talk about it more later but I did start the, the new game plus of Final Fantasy 16 so I'm Working my way towards that Platinum. <laughs> um, but Ubisoft did reveal the Rayman DLC that is coming to Mario and Rabbids. We, we joked before, or I don't know if we were joking or just confused, but it seems like Mario and Rabbids is a 2023 game because it's like every couple of weeks it's back in the news again for like yeah. a new DLC pack. Um this one brings obviously Rayman and he's coming on August 30th. So later this month, and it seems like maybe it's going to be another like little biome with like story stuff. And it's adding uh, Rayman obviously. And I don't know. I really like this game. It is like a simplified version of like the tactics game, but, I like all the content they've added to it. So it's cool to go back and revisit every now and then.
0: Now, this next thing had me pretty excited because I did not read this, but um, PS5 sales are up and there's rumors of Sony releasing a slim version of the console, which is very interesting to me.
1: Yeah. Would you be more inclined to go out and pick up a slim version as opposed to the current version?
0: I think so. I mean, I, I don't like how big it is. I've only ever seen one in real life under glass at a, a Best Buy. And who knows if that was like a full thing or just like a shell. But it's very big. It's bigger than I expected it to be. And if there's a cool looking slim version, I mean, I'm going to have to buy one eventually for when the second part of Final Fantasy VII comes out. That's, I think, going to be a PS5 exclusive. So this is a definite option that I would explore.
1: No, the real question is, if they do a slim model, do they get rid of the disk drive? Good question. And would that be a deal breaker and make you go back to the original model?
0: I don't know. I love, when it's a game I really care about, I do like to get a physical copy just because it's usually bundled with like a map. And I love those maps. Yeah. Um, but I mean, a lot of companies are doing that thing now where they release a physical copy that doesn't have a disc, or at least that's happened at least one time. Um,
1: Yeah, it's happened multiple times. Uh, Even, like, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, they had, like, a special sort of collector's edition bundle that you could buy on their website that had, like, a steelbook case, but it didn't have a disc in it. Mm. And at the time, I was like, why would you release it that way? Why wouldn't (laughs) you have the game bundled with it? Why would you have to buy the game on top of this bundle? And then I was like, oh, but it kind of makes sense because they only have to make one collector's bundle and you can get it if you want it, but then you are not sort of locked into a a specific uh, like console or PC. You get to pick which platform you want. So I guess it kind of makes sense, but uh, yeah. So the the news here was that uh, in the UK, there was like, I think $100 off the console and sales jumped 75%, which is a huge jump. Yeah, in sales, uh, and that the uh, console dropped to four hundred fifty dollars this last week, Uh, and maybe maybe they are just trying to push out stock before the slim slim. model gets released, which would make sense. Um, but yeah, I do think it would be we're probably about that mid life cycle where you Mm. would get like a slim or even maybe a pro version of the console, but.
0: I, yeah I wonder if that will happen again because last generation we had the the PS pro and what was the Xbox version called
1: the Xbox 1x
0: <clears throat> terrible yeah. but uh, <laughs> I wonder if that will happen again this time where there's the stepping stone of because I mean there were all those GTA 6 leaks and that game by all accounts is gonna run it's going to take intense hardware to run it because it's going to be huge. Um, So I wonder if we will get like a a pro or I wonder if it'll run natively well on current generation software or if we'll get a pretty good one and then a like definitive edition on whatever the stepping stone PS five pro is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, maybe it will be different but i suspect it would be if they do do a a pro model of the console it'll be similar to with like base model ps4 versus ps4 pro Mm. where like if you just have the base model you're a little bit locked out of those uh frame rate option versus resolution option and you're just kind of stuck with the sort of lowest common denominator sort of a thing but Mm. Uh, I never upgraded to the PS4 Pro, so... Nor did I. I I just had a base model PS4 the entire generation.
0: And... Zach. uh, Go ahead. Hideo Kojima's in the news. Was that what you were going to say? I was going to say, you
1: have in our show notes Strand, and I immediately was like, oh, that's got to be a Kojima thing.
0: Kojima says, Death Stranding 2 will redefine Strand... What was the first definition of s- strand? Great question. Because <laughs> Death Stranding a little bit predicted or was... Uh, it it, uh, it didn't really predict. But, I mean, the pandemic happened. And it, people were like, oh, man, the pandemic is just like Death Stranding, kind of. Because, like, everyone is in their houses and there's just, like, delivery people delivering things. Mm-hmm. And there's this, like, thing going on. And I guess the COVID-19 pandemic really affected Kojima, because he was like, man, I've thought a lot about it. He says, at the beginning, there was the theme of connecting. And after that, I made a lot of notes about characters, settings, ideas, and so on, like how to connect to it. (laughs) I put it together while maintaining a balance, but I had to rewrite everything because of corona. In Death Stranding, it was justice to connect. But with the corona crisis, pseudo-connections, such as remotes have come to be emphasized. On the other hand, I feel that such pseudo-connections alone would not lead to fulfilling human lives. After all, humans need to go out into the outside world and move.
1: So yeah, it almost sounds like what he's saying is the first game, it was really just, what's his name? The main character. Sam Mm -hmm. Porter Bridges? Sam Porter Bridges that got out and did the connecting. And obviously that was the character you were playing. You're reconnecting America, but everybody else didn't, you know, like there was never a scene where it was like kumbaya. Everybody's out and about now. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's what he's alluding to that. This is the, because of the pandemic, it is now going to be more like, Oh, we're going to get that moment of people sort of finally vacating their little submerged safe houses. And it will be like everybody is sort of rebuilding on the surface and getting back out and making those connections themselves as well. And it's not just one guy whose job it is to sort of keep these various people who are hidden away in their little bunkers, keeping them connected, you know?
0: So may- maybe that's what he's alluding to. I don't know. It's. uh, I should rewatch that trailer for Death Stranding 2 they released because I remember. Part of it, there was like a giant ship in the air. So I wonder if now it will be similar to Metal Gear Solid Five, where you have like a home base that is constantly being built up, and you have like a bunch of underlings. And but the home base is mobile this time; and it's like traveling around. I don't know. I'm so curious to see how that is how that gameplay is going to evolve.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was like the first game was such a like visually interesting game. And this one, I'm sure, is going to be even more visually interesting because oh, yeah. they, they have more power to work with on the PS5. But yeah, it definitely seems like he's going to do more and more crazy things. Um, I can't wait. And, and the weird thing, and this is kind of a spoiler for the first game, but the, the trailer, this that trailer that uh, is embedded in this Kotaku article that we have linked in our show notes about Death Stranding 2, um, you see Fragile, who is mm-hmm. the character played by the actress who has a name that I definitely know. <laughs> um,
0: we all know it. We don't have to we, say it.
1: Yeah, uh, we don't have to say it. You immediately know who I'm talking about. But she, in the first game, there's like this, you know, she's always wearing long sleeves and everything, so you can't see her body below the neck. And that's because... There is a scene where some guy puts a bag on her head and forces her to run out in the timefall, which is rain that, like, when it, it hits you, it, like, ages you really mm. quickly. And so as sort of, like, a torture for her, they, like, force her to run. To It's like, uh, if I recall correctly, it's kind of like that sadistic choice where you force somebody to either like not do something and like a bomb will go off and people will die or something like that. Or, you know, you go and you save those people, but you have this horrific thing happen to your Mm. body. And so she kind of makes the choice to like save the people or whatever. But now her body, except for like from the the neck up, she still looks young, but from the neck down, she looks really old. Mm. And in this trailer, I don't know if this is like prequel, but she is definitely normal.
0: I wonder if they figure out a way to reduce or uh, reverse timefall.
1: Oh, so hold on. I'm fast forwarding the trailer. And weirdly, Sam Porter Bridges has like white hair. So I don't know this. But now you see Fragile and she is completely covered. So maybe that's like a flashback scene. I don't know. I'm very confused. Whatever it is, it's going to redefine
0: Strand. It's
1: true. Strand will be redefined. If you didn't know what it meant before, you'll get a new definition that you also will not understand.
0: (laughs) Um, The only other thing I have in the show notes for news is Devolver Digital (laughs) has released. They're going to put out, I think it's happening this week, a Devolver Delayed showcase where they're proudly going to show off a bunch of games that they are delaying
1: ah so the the one that i see highlighted here is the plucky squire moving yeah i think to that 2024 is that it's sad but there's so much there's just so much that it's okay yeah i will play it next year but yeah so i guess keep an eye out for that to see which games we'll are gonna get cover it
0: yeah we'll we'll talk about it next week after it's happened but this week's all about Baldur's gate three yeah
1: so have you gotten a chance to pick this up yet
0: no, I have not. I I feel like I'm going to because I I do really like Dungeons & Dragons. I like the world of Faerun. And everything I've read about this is like, it's great. They've done all these things to Like it's so dense and the scope of it is so insane. And all these little cool little things uh, are like hidden for you to find. It's an, almost intimidating, but... It's, by all accounts. It seems like a great game. I don't think I've seen anyone say like, "Well, this is a problem with it."
1: Yeah, I, it does seem like this is immediately jumping to the tops of people's like game of the year watch yeah. list. Um, and I even saw like a lot of developers on Twitter like congratulating uh, Larian on the release of this game and Remnant too. Uh, the developers for that game. Uh, posted that meme. It became a meme. There was that uh, showcase where it showed that there was like sex with a
0: bear in this game. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: so I guess bestiality is a thing in this game, and people. Well, are, it's, were it's into a. It.
0: I believe it's a druid in bear yeah, form. Yeah,
1: it is. In, in fairness, I joke, but. Um, yeah, so that that happens, and so they took that meme and they they put the cover of Remnant Two on the one guy and the bear. They put the <laughs> cover of uh, Baldur's Gate Three, and they're like, "Yeah, we know, we know." So, <laughs> so basically, everybody's sort of bowing down to the release of Baldur's Gate Three. So it seems like this huge industry-wide like recognition of yeah what an amazing thing it is that this game is out, and it like I, to hear people talk about it. It's interesting. It it almost feels like they're talking about it with the reverence of something like elden ring even yeah where it's like that big a release for people and it's like um rarely do you get a game that is like so perfectly suited to the developers and the people that are there and so they get to make this thing that is just sort of like in a a weird space in time where it's just the all the perfect things have sort of come together to make this thing but uh, I have also not picked it up because I am still unsure if the CRPG genre is my thing or not. But I, I, mm. I've i been tempted by it because so many people are talking about it and playing it. I have watched some of it. Um, I just don't know if I'll, I would ever finish it if I did pick it up because it's also yeah. super long. And I've heard it's difficult.
0: That happened to me with uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. It, I, I played it for a good amount of time. But then I think I got like to the second map and I was like, man, I just I got to do something else.
1: Yeah, that was about where I got with it, too, because you like start off on that one island. And then once you kind of complete things there, you're able to move to like a different area. And I fell off of it once I got there. I was like, I've I've played a lot of this and I feel like I can't really go on anymore. So I, I am worried uh, that if I were to pick it up, especially with, like, Starfield coming out next month, that I it's would... It's
0: on the horizon for sure.
1: That I would just not finish it, and that would be a bummer. But uh, supposedly there's, like, 17,000 possible endings in this game. Yeah. Did you see the, are the developers saying that? I, th- I think yeah. they had to walk it back a little bit, because they were like... L- let's explain a little bit more. We're not saying... Th- that when you get to the end, there will be seventeen thousand possible different endings to it. It's more like you have so many different directions you can go in each and every conversation and quest and everything that everybody's playthrough will be wildly different, and so that's how you kind of get to that seventeen thousand number. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit like the the Mass Effect three thing of like yeah. More or less, it's going to have to come down to one possible ending with maybe some slight variations on, or three. It. It, it's it's how you get there that is the real difference. But yeah, but yeah, people immediately take it as oh, the ending has to be a seventeen thousand different possible cutscenes. They're like, no, that's. I not took what that, that to means. mean.
0: <laughs> I took that to mean like the ending cutscene isn't going to be a cutscene. It'll be rendered like in the game engine. And like, depending on what you do, like different people will be there or like different things will be happening in the background or something. But yeah, I, I, I I wonder the whole plot. I assume you get the uh, thing out of your head, uh, but I don't know what the overall plot will be as far as like, I assume you stop the, uh, mind flayers or whatever.
1: Yeah. You go after, uh, Cthulhu and take him out. (laughs)
0: um this the
1: interesting thing that that popped up after this game came out was the the debate over the xbox series s and its limitations so we kind of talked about this previously about how the series s had kind of become a little bit of an albatross yeah um and so right now Baldur's gate 3 is sort of an Unintentional PlayStation Five exclusive when it comes to console release. Like obviously it's on PC, but there's no Xbox version right now. They're working on one, and it's supposed to come out at some point. The series it, it could come out now if it was just on Series X, but Microsoft has this uh, sort of stipulation that if you're gonna release a game on this on Xbox, it has to. You also have to have a Series S version and that it has to have feature parity between the two. Yeah. And Larian is struggling to get the split-screen multiplayer feature working on the Series S. And so they were like, well, we could ship this now and it would be their launch day with the other consoles and PC and everything if you allowed us to remove the split-screen multiplayer feature from the Series S version. But Microsoft is like, nope. If you're going to release it on Xbox, <laughs> it has to be the full game, no compromises on both consoles. And uh, so yeah, they're going to it's going to take them time to get that working and it might not happen before the end of the year. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely a bummer if you're an Xbox person and you are looking forward to this game. But uh yeah, I I think this game will be up there for people come
0: game of the year I'm talk. Sure. It's definitely going to get nominated.
1: Yeah. It might not beat out Tears of the Kingdom. It might not beat out
0: Starfield. We're not sure about that one, but it'll probably be
1: right up there. Would uh, you put
0: Pikmin 4 on that list? Let's get into the what we've been playing and watching.
1: I've played a little bit more Pikmin 4. I, I, I do think it'll be on the list. It's hard to say right now because it's just such a crazy year and there's still so many more games coming out. Uh, but I've been enjoying it. It's just like kind of fun and chill to go and run around and collect items and... Um, do the different like you have those warp pipes that you go down and you're sort of exploring those and collecting items and everything and then they have like the dandori battles that are like some of them are sort of you're you're racing against like a computer opponent to like go around this uh, space and collect items and you're trying to do it faster and better than the other guy and then they also have some that are like, these timed ones where you have to collect, like, a certain amount of items in a certain amount of time. Uh, and then they also have, like, the nighttime exploration ones that are a little bit more like Tower Defense, where oh. you have, like, a special type of poke- or Pokemon, Pikmin, <laughs> that you don't have in, like, the normal when you're just exploring during the day. And you, this is how you, you find these... Uh, spacemen that are part of your crew but they're like covered in like leaves and stuff and the only way to like get rid of the leaves and sort of cure them of whatever that is is to get like a special resource that you get from like going in at night Mm -hmm. and so you have to go and you're defending these like i don't even know how you describe it's like a weird thing that has like glowy parts around it and <laughs> like the the enemy creatures at night like their eyes turn red and they they go and attack those and so you have to basically defend it for a certain amount of time and then you get the resource and you can cure the the person and you're good to go um i don't love doing those so i feel like i will do the minimum amount necessary to get through those but i've been enjoying the game i i I only have the first three areas unlocked, I think, and I have 100%ed two of the three. So I will keep going and maybe report back, but I've been enjoying it, I think it's a fun game. And then the other game that I have played this week is actually vaguely, vaguely similar in that you wanna explore during the day and collect things, and then at nighttime, it gets crazy and weird, and you don't want to be out and about. <laughs> it's a uh, dredge. I don't know if you remember this.
0: Yes, I watched. I think someone played the first maybe three hours of it, um, and it's. It seemed very cool.
1: Yeah, so it is basically a fishing game where you have like your little tugboat that, you, and you're you're going around uh, fishing, and the art style is really really beautiful you have to look it up to see it uh, to be able to know what i'm talking about but i normally am not into fishing games but somehow this game really did it for me i got like immediately hooked on it to use a fishing pun mm-hmm. um <laughs> but you're also like dredging up uh like resources that you can use to upgrade your ship and like when you catch uh, fish or you you're collecting items it when you manage your inventory, it's it's kind of like that Resident Evil thing where you're sort of playing Tetris to with yeah. the different items to like fill out your inventory space. Um, and then, yeah, so I, like when I first started playing it, I was just like hooked on going around collecting the resources to try to upgrade my ship to the maximum. And so I did that relatively quickly. And then there, like the map is laid out in such a way that like, the middle is sort of where, like, the hub area that you start out in is. There's, like, two lo- two or three little ports that you can pull into and talk to people, and there's, like, quests and stuff. Um, but then there's also, in the four corners of the map, there are, like, these different little uh, archipelago areas that you can go to. And there's more people to talk to and more quests to do there, but you'll, you'll find, like, different types of fish in each of the four different quadrants. And... Each area sort of has their own like weird monster that they're dealing with that will sort of uh, attack you if you get close to them. And at nighttime, it gets really like kind of foggy and creepy, and it's a little bit. Um, what is the the Lovecraft Lovecraftian and sort yeah, of yeah, the there's creatures. like Eldritch horror. Yeah, and so it, it is supposed to be sort of this like blending of this sort of cozy like chill genre but also like this like creepy not horror but you know what I mean as sort of a combo of those and it's really interesting <laughs> um, there's like a, an interesting story sort of that it's built around this sort of piece together that you, you find these little uh, bottles with notes in them and they have some like backstory to them and like some of the different people you talk to will sort of fill you in on some stuff. But uh yeah, it it is a lot more engaging and gripping than I thought it would be when I first mm. started and I kind of couldn't put it down once I started playing <laughs> it. So what
0: uh what should you play it on uh PS five or Yeah,
1: I played it on PS five and I, I platinum did actually. Wow. It was another one of those games that I started playing, and I was like, you know, I'm not too far from a Platinum on this. I might as well just finish it out, and so I did. <laughs> and it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I remember, I mean, it was early in the year. I think this came out in, like, March or April or something like that. Yeah. So it was before Tears of the Kingdom, but I remember a lot of people saying, like, oh, this is my early front runner
0: for Game of the Year.
1: And they're like, I that'll it, change I, once Tears of the Kingdom com- comes out. I but could see course. it winning
0: in, like, the best indie game category.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see it winning best indie game of the year for sure. Like, this one's definitely up there, and one that you should definitely go back and check out if you haven't yet. So, uh, we should put it on our top 10 builder. I'm just not sure where. Right now, we have 10. We've finally filled it out, but (laughs) um, I have not played very much Like a Dragon Ishin. I didn't finish Hi-Fi Rush, and we've talked about it before. I, I didn't love that game as much as everybody else. Yeah. So I feel like that one will fall off the list, and this might be the time. Oh, my God. Um, Dare I put it above or below Dead Space Remake at number
0: four? Oh, wow. Well, I didn't play that, so yeah, it's up to you. I was going to
1: say, I was hoping that you would have played Baldur's Gate 3 so we could also slot Baldur's Gate 3 in here somewhere. I might.
0: Uh, Next week, I'm going to have a bunch of free time, so it's possible that I'm going to dip my toes into it. So come next week at this time. It's possible we will be adding it.
1: Other stuff on the list, at 5 we have Wild Hearts, at 6 we have Metroid Prime Remastered. I didn't finish Metroid Prime Remastered to my great shame. Nor did I. Um, That and Like a Dragon Isshin, I was both i was playing both of those games early in the year and i just like hit a weird mood where i was like not in the mood to play games for a little while and so i kind of did other things and so i never got around to finishing those
0: well there was towards the end of metroid prime remastered there's a lot of backtracking which i found to be not fun
1: yeah and it also got like randomly difficult in terms of like the combat and this one particular area that i was going down where i like died and that hadn't happened before and so i was like i don't want to replay all of that stuff that i just <laughs> did and so i kind of fell off of it a little bit because of that but like great game people love it i, I think both dead space remake metroid prime remastered and like a dragon Age, all three of those could possibly be up there for people in their top 10 but i think i'm gonna move them down and put dredge I wow. number four for now.
0: Did we put Pikmin on here? No, not yet, I don't think.
1: Now, the real question is, where does Pikmin 4 belong before or after Dredge? I don't know. I haven't finished it yet, so maybe I'll put it below for now. Sadly, that does drop off two games that we previously
0: had on the list. Yeah, so hi- say goodbye to Hi-Fi Rush and Dead Cells Return to Castlevania.
1: Yeah, I mean, I liked uh, the what I played of the Return to Castlevania stuff. I think it's very cool. Uh, I think there's also, like, Signature Edition games is also releasing, like, a physical copy of Dead Cells with the Castlevania stuff bundled. Uh And it has like the Castlevania art on the cover of it. And there's like a collector's edition that comes with a whole bunch of stuff on it and like a CD soundtrack, uh, which is cool because they have all those like redone versions of the Castlevania music in like the Dead Cell style. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a very cool release that I would get if I wanted to spend the money on it, but I don't. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a very cool thing. Um, So, yeah. Uh, just to recap our top 10 list for now that we are building and things will change, I'm sure. But we've got Zelda Tears of the Kingdom at number one, Final Fantasy sixteen at number two, Fire Emblem Engage at three. I feel like that will drop down at some point, even if it's just because of recency or non-recency bias. At 4 we got Dredge, 5 we got Pikmin 4, 6 Dead Space Remake, 7 Wild Hearts, 8 Metro Prime Remastered, 9 Viewfinder, and 10 Like a Dragon Ishii. Solid uh, list. And I feel like Baldur's Gate, Sea of Stars, and Starfield could all end up on this list
0: at some point. And let's not forget, eventually Silksong is going to come out. <laughs> it might not be
1: this year though.
0: Yeah, I hope it isn't actually. Yeah, I was gonna say,
1: it, what would your number one game? You would be really battling between Silk Song, Tears of the Kingdom, and Starfield. Yeah, and potentially Baldur's Gate three. True. I don't know. All right, tell me what you've been watching, and playing.
0: Real quick, I, I, you know, I've been reading Chainsaw Man since it has been uh, coming out, and that's been great. But I usually will just like go to a website. And just like read it from there. And there's like a bunch of ads that pop up. But I finally was like, I'll I'll check out the official way to read manga on my phone. And so I downloaded the Shonen Jump app, which is just two bucks a month, which is kind of crazy. Uh, And it's pretty great. And I started reading and completed, even though it's still in progress. I, I basically, I caught up to another manga that is, I guess, getting animated later this year, maybe in 2024. uh kaiju number eight which was great and i recommend and i also started reading another one called sakamoto days which i just started i'm only on like chapter seven but it's cool i uh i have it's been a long time since i've read comics and uh it's nice to just like have them on my phone and easily available and the fact that it's only two dollars a month is actually kind of crazy Um, that is
1: crazy actually
0: But if you're bored at work and you don't feel like listening to a podcast, this rolls into my parting wisdom. Check out the Shonen Jump app because it's very feature-rich and it's got a ton of stuff.
1: I may actually do that because yeah, there there are definitely even if you're just like uh, sitting down for a cup of coffee, just like to flip through some pages on your phone would be like.
0: And the chapters are pretty; they go by quick. Like uh, Chainsaw Man, especially, I feel like chapters sometimes are you know only fifteen pages or something like that. Um. But there's, like, uh, I think around 115... I'm not sure what uh, Chainsaw Mine is up to these days, but it's great. I, I think I like it more than the anime. But, um, yeah, check it out. Showed The Shonen Jump app.
1: That's good advice. Uh, the one thing I forgot to mention in what I've been playing watching is... I, we talked a little bit about it before we started recording, but I did start the Final Fantasy 16 New Game Plus. Yes. And... It like, definitely feels like the developers designed it in such a way that they imagined anyone who plays this game will definitely play New Game Plus. <laughs> um, which I, maybe that's how they all feel, because I, I, I can't remember the last time I, I did a New Game Plus in a game. It's been a long time. Like I think it's great that they offered them, but I usually don't ever get around to doing them because by the time I finish it, it's like, I need a break from this. I need to play something different. Yeah. Or it's just like, yeah, I don't have time for that. But, uh, to get the platinum in Final Fantasy 16, which is something I would kind of like to do since I'm like two trophies away. Um, you do have to finish it a second time on new game plus mode. And it feels like they designed it intentionally to feel like the best playthrough is the new game plus one because a lot of people would prefer to play it on the hardest difficulty available right from the start you don't get that until you get you finish the game once (laughs) and then you get uh final fantasy mode which is part of new game plus mode but also like you have different combat encounters and such like the some of the enemies that you face later on in the game start appearing earlier on in the game in the new game plus version um, and you get like different gear and equipment, and it's possible to uh, craft or maybe not craft, but definitely uh, upgrade your accessories at the blacksmith in new game plus mode. You can't do it in the first one, your first playthrough. And it feels like most of the time, when you're getting like new weapons and gear throughout the first uh, playthrough, and when you're like crafting them, you can only craft them at like a green. Uh, item level and so obviously there's like blue and purple and gold and you really don't get start getting those until towards the end of your first playthrough and then in the second playthrough you finally start getting like blue and purple and gold and you can start crafting and upgrading those so it feels like items and accessories and things like that really don't start getting interesting until you do new game plus and like the
0: there's um such a crazy design choice
1: it is a crazy design choice but like the accessories being able to upgrade them i I found i didn't really swap out my accessories once i found a few that i liked in the first playthrough and they were all like you get a a gold one that is like five percent damage increase across the board i was just like that's not A big difference maker i feel like Mm -hmm. um so i i felt like consistently throughout the first playthrough that the accessories were fairly dull and uninteresting Mm -hmm. but now it's like oh if you take this one that was like upgrading a specific icon ability like seven percent more damage if you craft the upgrade to it it jumps to like 20 percent And now suddenly, oh, this is worthwhile now. (laughs) So, like, it is crazy to me that not only did they finally give the difficulty that people wanted to play from the start, but they also finally made, like, weapons and um, accessories and your gear that much more interesting. It's like, this is what it should have been from the start but it, it feels like they wanted you to play through once to focus on the story, and then they give you all the good stuff that you actually wanted the
0: first time through in the second playthrough, <laughs> which is crazy to me. But Well, good but tip no. for playing Final Fantasy 16. Play it twice.
1: <laughs> play it twice, yeah. I, I've i been skipping all of the cutscenes and dialogue to try to make it go by faster, and so I have like flown through it so far, at least as far as I've made it and uh like I, I hit the i guess it's technically the second time jump the first i guess the first time jump is only like a tutorial thing but you can skip all you skip all that entirely when you start your new game plus uh like the intro sort of tutorial stuff and you basically begin at the point you would have after the demo stuff so but yeah i i mean i am enjoying it i mean the combat is very fun in the game so i don't mind uh, playing some of that again but like right now since I'm not playing Baldur's Gate 3 I'm, we're like a little bit between releases mm-hmm. so I've just had some time and I was like I want to play something so I just for whatever reason jumped back into Final Fantasy and I've been enjoying it for that but uh, right, anyway yep. on that note go ahead and follow us on YouTube Instagram and x slash Twitter at Starside Cafe. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one.
0: Goodbye. Goodbye.